Hello and welcome to episode number 64 of Virtual Team Dynamics, the All Fire podcast. My name is Francis Norman. I'm the founder and principal consultant here at Allfire. At Allfire, we specialise in helping you get the most from your virtual teams through understanding how your team members communicate and interact. On the podcast today, we're going to be talking about communications equality in projects. As with all of our podcasts, there's an accompanying article on the Allfire website, so please do check it out for additional information. And while you're there, of course, sign up for our regular newsletter, which comes out around about once a fortnight, and find out a bit more about how we may be able to help you with your business. So communications equality in projects and in the context of the all-fire business in the projects executed by and with virtual teams. Communications equality and generally equality is something that, that gets a lot of talk these days. There's lots and lots of, of management literature and project management articles and so forth that will talk about establishing equality within your workforce and within your workplace. One area of equality that doesn't really get a lot of mention, however, is communications and um, and just how people maintain an environment where everybody feels that they are able to contribute appropriately can be a real challenge, particularly particularly when you get into a multi-centre virtual team environment where you'll have people with different cultures, people with different backgrounds, people who are potentially technologically or geographically marginalised from the bulk of the project personnel. So just how you manage those, well firstly how you recognise those um, those differences and challenges is the first thing that needs to be addressed. And then once you've, once you've identified it, how you actually go about managing it and, uh, and breaking down some barriers that may be in place to establish a level of equality can be a real challenge for a lot of projects. So many, many projects will will tell you that they are completely open door. They'll tell you that they expect and, and, and even look for active contributions and input and communications from everybody within the project, regardless of what their uh, position within the team may be. They'll tell you that they've got an open door policy and then they'll walk back into their office door and close the door behind them. And they'll tell you that they are accessible 24 hours a day, seven days a week from anybody, anywhere within the project, wherever they may be within the world. The reality, however, is that this is often rarely the case. Yes, many, many managers are very open to a lot of feedback from people and they really expect it and they look for it and they genuinely do believe that they receive it. The challenge is that for many of these people, it's so hard. It can be hard from the perspective of just being able to know who to talk to, never mind to understand the cultural differences between how you would talk to someone in your culture, in your location, and how you should talk to the person who you want to talk to, and how that person expects somebody to communicate with them when they're based somewhere else. If you have someone who comes from a culture where you don't normally speak to people who are more 
who have more authority, whether that's um, uh, genuine business authority or whether that's in assumed authority. If you're from a culture where people just don't speak to people like that, then um, then how would you expect someone from that culture to raise an issue that they believe they have with their manager if their manager is either of their same culture or of another culture? So you need to find ways. You need to find ways where you can you can put the right measures in place to allow people to have the form of communication that they need with you as with you and their managers, without putting them into a position where they feel uncomfortable. Because you need so you need also to recognise that for many of these people, while there are things they would like to say, they also would not feel comfortable from their own cultural perspective to feel that it's being uh, expected of them. So if you have a uh, let's say um, a town hall meeting, and you stand up there and you address all of your personnel in every location, in some locations you'll get lots and lots of questions. You'll get lots and lots of um, uh, people coming up to you afterwards and expressing their views and their thoughts on things. In other locations, all you'll get will be polite applause at the end and you'll have nobody say anything other than it was very good and we really enjoyed it and it was very interesting and thank you very much. And you'll very rarely get any negative comment passed to you. In these cultures where the negative comments don't make it through, there will be there will be alternate channels within their culture for feedback to be given to the managers. And you need to understand what those um, what those channels are. You need to understand how those cultures function so that you can make sure that things are appropriately managed and messages that are necessary to make it through to you as the managers and to the manager's managers and to everyone else within the project that there are channels there where those messages can be conveyed. So there are a number, therefore, as you would have picked up from this, of structural barriers that that really present the develop, prevent the development of communications equality within a project. Now, one of the worst ones of these can be simply the, the parent company policies. Uh, if you have a project where the where there are a very rigidly defined set of instructions in terms of who talks to who talks to who. And those instructions are there and they're heavily codified within an organisation. People simply will not try and go around them unless they come from a culture where those sorts of um, standard um, standard approaches are not regarded as, as relevant, uh, in which case they'll completely disregard them and they'll go and talk to you anyway. But those sorts of policies and practices can really hamper open communications and they can hamper it very badly when you start to get again into multiple multiple different cultures. You may have one culture where it's very flat, where everybody expects to be able to talk directly to the person at the top. Um, and those people will assume that that's the case wherever they may be working. Then you'll also have cultures potentially within your project which are extremely hierarchical where people will only speak to their direct line manager and their line manager will only speak to their manager and so forth. And in those situations, messages can take a little bit longer to get through. But going outside of those chains causes an awful lot of upset within a team. So if you expect somebody who's normally working in a, in a, in a chain of command organization like that to suddenly change their approach because just because you've said oh, I want you to come direct to me it's not likely to happen because people simply don't feel comfortable doing those sorts of things 
Equally, technology can be a huge barrier to this um, establishment of equality. Uh, as I say in the article, I've worked on some projects where, and these were in the early days of mobile phones, for instance, but I've worked on some projects where only the senior managers had telephones and where only senior personnel were provided with company laptops, even though the senior guys didn't need the laptops um, and the, where often the junior or middle management people would need the laptops because they would be the ones travelling. Similarly, I've worked on projects where the senior guys would have all the new technology and the guys lower down in the organisational structure would get older, cast off computers and so forth. And again, often the guys in the middle are the ones who need the technology because they're the ones who are actually using that technology to its limits. Similar things can happen with communications, technologies like video conferencing, like um, um, decent access to web web uh, facilities and so forth small offices sometimes won't have access to even um, even a free portal to let them access a video conference facility simply because they're not deemed to be big enough to merit having that sort of stuff and yet a small office may be a critical contributor to a project but it's simply excluded from being able to communicate on a par with everybody else because it is a small object a uh, small object a small office so you need to think very carefully about who will have what um ideally if you can afford it or if you can find ways to provide it everybody should have the same Everyone should at least have a, a fair level of parity. So if there's a genuine need for someone in one location to have access to video conference, then some form of video conference that they need that suits their requirements should be made available to them. And of course the converse to that is that in other locations if people don't need video conference or if they don't need some other piece of technology, then don't necessarily provide it to them just because everybody thinks they may need it actually establish what their needs are genuinely beforehand and 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 apply it on merit rather than apply it on scale or apply it on geographic location so there are many different uh, things that can get in the way and trip up an attempt to have this communications equality but once you've established that, that you really do need it and I strongly recommend that you do need to look for some form of equality in your communications the next challenge is to make sure that it's embedded in everything that you do that, that employees and personnel have appropriate, culturally appropriate and geographically appropriate ways where they can communicate with the rest of the office, where they can be aware of what's happening in the rest of the office and where their contributions can be heard. Now, one option for some offices may be to put suggestion boxes and question boxes in and so forth because there may be people or there may be a culture in that office or in that locale which makes it more comfortable for people to anonymously put things forward rather than to put their hand up in a meeting or go knocking on their boss's door. Equally, in other cultures, putting something like that up there is is a complete waste of time. If you've got a culture where everybody feels that they have an opinion and their opinion needs to be heard, there's absolutely no point in, in put, putting something else in place which just is there because because someone thought it was a good idea. Um, you know, if you've got a culture where everybody will pr- give you their opinions whether you want them or not then those cultures do not need the sorts of tools in place that you need in a culture where people will be more guarded and retiring in terms of how they how they pass their messages along 
So find appropriate ways to embed communications in quality in your team is something we would definitely recommend. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. It's on a slightly different subject from from the normal ones that we talk about here. Um, But if you have, then please do check us out. We're at www.ulfire.com.au And of course, I'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast feed. There's a page on the Ulfire website with links to all the normal platforms where you can sign up to um, podcasts. If you do subscribe, then we'd really like for you to uh, to leave some feedback on iTunes. And of course, check out our um, newsletter, check out the website, and I very much look forward to speaking to you in future episodes. Thank you. Thank you.